I think there's, it's like anything, there's growing pains, you know, of, of, you know, we make a big deal out of the guy losing his ID twice the first couple weeks of school, you know, so he, he's a freshman in college, you know, but he does take it serious and he wants to be really good. And the beauty of it, the guy, one of the, one of the guys he's competing with is taking it really serious and wants to be really good. And that competition should ultimately drive the best out of both of them. And that's what we're trying to create in our program. Well, there's Sarkeesian, head coach, University of Texas, Austin, talking about a couple of kids he's got competing in the spring for the starting quarterback position. And one of them's already lost their student ID twice, which uh, (laughs) gives viewers the edge going into spring ball. Would you like to handicap percentage-wise who you think is going to take the first snap of the season for Texas? Well, I got a $14 bet with Parker that uh, Art starts at least one game this year. Yeah, we made that $14 bet yesterday. So I got a lot I got a lot on the line here. I, I need Arch to start looking sharp here in uh, spring ball, please. Sark so said I, he I had some throws. He, he wanted some throws back yesterday. Yeah, I can't believe he took that bet from you. That's a... That's an expert way of, of laying that bet down. Because you get... You get suspension start, you get injury start, you get all kinds of different things. Anything could happen. Anything he can miss it, could... be late to a meeting, and Arch gets the start. I you know. know. It's smart by you. Thank I'm, you. I'm asking you, though, right now, opening day, that's, that's kind of the declaration. I guess not 100%. You're kind of leaving a little bit of room for Manning to, to earn it like you can – like, if you give him the job before the season starts, uh, you really don't have any other options. But if Ewers gets the star and then starts to struggle, it's easy for you to to put Manning in there. So, I mean, you have to favor Ewers quite a bit in that regard. But percentage chance winning the opening day starting job for uh, Arch Manning. Um, currently right now, I will put it at 20%, which I think is very high. Yeah. I mean, think about it, man. Like that seems very high right now, but this is a big time year for Texas and Sark, you know, like they won eight games and I understand everyone is acting like they won the big 12 last year, but this is going to go a long way into setting them up for the SEC, um, for what his record's going to be after three years. Like it's, I don't think Sark's on a hot seat necessarily, but it's a big year for Texas football, man. And I don't think that they can just afford to, well, we'll just start this guy because he was the starter last year. He held them back in several games a year ago. So I, it's not as crazy as I, as I believe some people think. Hmm. Like there's, there's a chance here for Arch. I don't, think, I don't think 20% is too high. I may say that that's too low. Maybe a little <laughs> too low. Whenever you come out and openly talk about there being a quarterback competition, you don't have to sugarcoat anything. It's it's truly uh, player first player. I think I would probably up at 10%. I'm, I might 30%, say 70-30. Wow. We've got a legitimate quarterback battle going on in Austin. Oh, I love it. What's well, the worst that could happen? I think we legitimately have a avenue for Arch Manning to start the opener based off merit. 
but we also know that there's going to be a ton of pressure there anyways. Like, no matter what he looks like, there's going to be pressure there to play him on every single incompletion Ewers has or, you know, poor decision, um, you know, doesn't look like he's comfortable scrambling around a little bit, taking a sack. Every single thing that he does that's not 100% perfect, the murmurs are going to start from the crowd. Well, that's true. Best case scenario is uh, they roll into the Texas game with a two-quarterback system, just like Mac Brown in 2000. We're going to start with uh, we're going to start with Chris, and then we'll go to Major after. And Major, he's accepted that role, and he's a great team player, and he's going to perform that role very well. And we're excited about Major in that role. It wasn't 2000, I think, when they went back and forth. I think it was a little bit later on, like 01. But yeah. maybe it'll be a two quarterback system. That's that's the best case scenario. Yeah, I I, I think your I think your comment about. Uh, Manning getting one start next year. God, I'd put that at like 80 plus percent. Well, I've already spent that $14 that we bet yesterday, <laughs> so I, I hope that's the case. I've, I've already spent it. it. Uh, probably junk food down at the uh, 7-Eleven down the street, most likely. <laughs> um, if I need a loan, I guess I know who to go to in town these days. <laughs> Congratulations to DeMarco Murray. Yeah, uh, one hundred and uh, uh, yeah, one hundred and fifteen thousand dollar raise today. Well, you got a problem with that? I don't have a problem with it at all. I just congratulations to the man. That's got to be a pretty good feeling. So, Beedenboe, Chavis, Brandon Hall, Valai, Joe John, and Demarco were all extended through the twenty twenty four season. Uh, Todd Bates and Jeff Levy extended through the twenty twenty five season. B. Hall gets a $15,000 raise. DeMarco, a $115,000 raise. Nice. Whoa. Yeah, well, uh, he's done some really good work. I think he's uh, continued to recruit really well. And you know, here's, the, here's, here's the, the, the point, plain and simple, on a guy like DeMarco. You have to make it worth his time. Yeah, that's yeah, true. You yeah. know, he can. It's true. The man can do a lot of things out there. One of those things is nothing. He can retire and do nothing for the rest of his life and be fine. Um, so you you got to continue to make it worth it to him for his time, um, you know, away from his family and all of those things. It's a huge time requirement. So he's in a great position and, and has been for some time. And I got no problem with it. I think he's I think he's earning that. He's a guy that puts the work in. He recruits well. He coaches well. He's demanding of those players. Feel like those the the guys in his room really respect him and He's he's really proven himself at this level. I think so. The, the, the past 2 years, really. I think last year he did a really good job too. Let's see. What was his first year? You remember? Uh was his first year Lincoln's last year or was it Lincoln's second to last year? This will either be his third or fourth year, and I don't know why. No, it, I, I think his first year, they they uh, they didn't get they didn't get Kamar Wheaton. I think was that his first full recruiting class yeah, when well, they didn't get Kamar Wheaton. I don't think he's ever been able to go out on the road recruiting until this past cycle, until all of the like the whatever the COVID yeah. stuff was lifted. So, um, I think maybe twenty twenty one. In 22 were his three seasons. I think maybe this is his fourth. But, I mean, I, you're, you're, you're really going to start seeing his full 
I the the running back room be truly his, right? With what exactly he has wanted to do with it and um and the guys that he's he's kind of recruited all the way through going to be in there. So, and I know that there's been other guys that he's recruited. I'm not I'm not saying there hasn't been, but I this could be the year where it really starts to take off under under his tutelage. Well, I yeah, and and for a like a deeper conversation on that, like he yeah, he's brought in four four stars in the past two recruiting cycles and he's going to land a couple of more big fish this this coming recruiting oh, cycle as well. Oh, he's in on some guys? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. But, you know, Samaje and Joe Mixon were the last great one-two duo that you had here. Is that right? I'm, I'm trying to think real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's right. I think that's fair. It kind of feels like you have an opportunity to have that maybe once again this year. I wonder if those are going to be – if that's going to be the expectation this year with the two backs that you have coming back that are both very young and both very talented. Barnes and Sawchuck, that's who's your referencing. Correct. Or if you ask Jeff Lebby, Marcus Major, and everyone else. Well, yeah, that that's – We'll see how that goes, but that's a name that they're still throwing out there. I do think the running backs have, like, coming into a season about as high of expectations as they've had in, in quite some time. There's some very, there's some big time expectations for both of those two guys who had, I mean, Barnes played more than Sawcheck last year, but both of them, when they were in the game, looked like okay. they got a chance. Who's going to lead the team in rushing? It's all anyone wants to know. Is that all anyone wants to know right now? Yeah. Okay. Um, again, if you ask Jeff Lebby, it's going to be Marcus Major. <laughs> if you ask me, um, I'm starting to trend. No, nah, it's Javante Barnes. Javante now, Barnes will lead the team in rushing next you year. You saw the Saul Chuck's got breakaway speed. He's got some shake to him, but he's also a physical back. You're just going to dismiss what you saw against FSU – and go with Barnes? That's correct, yes. I'm huh. dismissing all of that. Right. I thought that you were going to bring up the fumble there as well in the uh, Florida Ooh, State game. Nice. That's a really nice transition by you. That was pretty good. Pretty impressive. Now, congrats to uh, DeMarco. I think he's done well. Uh, I you, You've heard me. I believe that the running game all around, quarterback included, is going to hit the next level this coming season. It's going to be more potent than it was a year ago. There are some caveats there. Offensive line, like we need big improvement there. Need some guys um, to really start to show some consistency and and be dependable. Got to stay healthy there. I mean, that's going to be a big catalyst. But if those things happen, I think that we're going to see – this this running yeah. game hit overdrive. Well, that's great and all, but what people want to know is who's going to be the leading rusher next year? Who's going to be the leading rusher next year? Who is it going to be? That's what people want to know. Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see. Jeff Lebby had his contract extended through 2025. He didn't receive a raise and will continue to make $1.8 million per year, which I think is still like second highest paid offensive coordinator. Coming into this year. Yeah. Uh, Ted Roof will receive a $50,000 pay bump this year, moving him to $1.15 million this season. That's uh, according to Eric Bailey. There the you 50 k raise was written into his original contract. So nothing changes in terms of length. 
which continues to run through the 2024 season. Man, is that a a death blow to all of the Jim Leonard uh, conspiracy theorists? I out still there? think some are hanging on to the idea that well, Ted Roof will be the guy out there on the field, but Leonard will be out in the parking lot actually calling the plays <laughs> via text message to uh, to Roof up in the box. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, um, yeah, they've got they've got some high level regent meetings going on, uh, salary approval, uh, facility approval, which, man, that's big time. We we touched on some of it yesterday, but the the football facilities that they've they've got going in, and you know some of the other things that they've got when it, when it comes to the football program. I don't know how they're going to be able to get it done, wrap it up with the price tag that it's got. On top of the already existing, here's the great thing about it. You don't, you're not going to inconvenience anyone while it's being built, right? As far as no moving out into the trailers this yeah, time or anything like that. That's what I'm saying is like you don't have to go to a temporary structure at all for your day to day operations. And uh, that, it's rare to be able to pull something like that off. Sure. Usually it's yeah, some it's type true. of renovation or add on to what you've already got going. So like that's, that's going to be big time and how they transition those other facilities that are already existing is, it's going to be interesting. Good stuff. All right, quick timeout more from the rush coming up. Coach Stoops Coach joining Stoops us next. Coming next. Yes. Bringing you the physical relentless suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is the ref, the home of Sooner fans. Why are interscholastic sports called the last classroom of the day? Because they teach students important life lessons like teamwork, accountability, and perseverance. School sports are so much more than a game. They're about developing the whole person. That's why they're an essential part of every student's education. Encourage your student to participate in the last classroom of the day. Interscholastic sports in Oklahoma. This message presented by the OSSAA and the Oklahoma Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Does your checking account come with... It is the Rush on the Ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Stoops coming up here in a few minutes. 405-651-3439. In the meantime, hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. What do we got here from the 319? DeMarco's bump was especially necessarily uh, necessary considering he only made 400 k in 2022 while the first-time position coach in Miguel Chavis was making 600 k That's from Doug Miles. Yeah. That's well, just true. Here's... I understand that perspective, and I agree with it. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but you do have to keep some things in mind. I, when Venables was bringing staff here from other places, like you're asking someone to leave a current job at a current top place, and I don't know necessarily that Chavis was in, like what, what he was doing, but... He was an off-the-field guy, but Dabo really wanted to keep him there. Wanted allegedly. to keep him, and you're, you're asking people to move their family, like, 
that's why you're going to incentive. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be some a little bit of inflation on some of those trying to get people to come with you and, and leave wherever they're comfortable at the moment and and start something new with you. But yes, uh, I would say that DeMarco Murray's bump much needed and like I said, earned. Uh, let's see. Ben from Houston says, Teddy, I was curious. In 2001, supposedly Stoops admitted he brought out the Texas tape early between a bye slash September 11th time. Is there any truth to this? Curious because that seems to go against the grain as taking it one game at a time. Thanks. Um, I You know, I don't know exactly what that means. Now, the coaches, the coaches are going to be working on other stuff, um, you know, preparing for future weeks. Like that's, that's always taken place there. They have to be breaking down film and, and getting a lot of getting a jump on some things early on. Um, I don't know necessarily if, if that means like with the players and I'm trying to remember back because if, if you had a game, as I remember that, I don't know know exactly what day it was, but it was a weekday. We weren't sure. I think we practiced that day. Yeah, it went on for a couple more. Because I feel like, maybe did it happen on a Tuesday, maybe? That's, September 11th? seems Monday right. or Tuesday. It was earlier in the week because I feel like it was later in the week. Like maybe Friday or Thursday or Friday when they finally called it. But there was a thought middle of the week like, oh, they're, they're still going to play it looks like. Uh, if I we definitely practiced day of, and I feel like maybe they canceled practice late the next day, or maybe we practiced the next day and they canceled it on Thursday, like you're talking about. Um, and then I know we had the weekend off, and I'm not sure if we had like a bye week after that. Like we had some more time than we than we thought we were gonna have to maybe have a handful of practices um, for some tech, like some pre-scouting Texas stuff. I think your next game after September 11th was that big Kansas state game at home. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they have a, uh, a flag that was, was in zone to end zone. Yeah. I just, I can't remember if there was like a a bye week in between there or not. Yeah, I think there there was. was. Yeah. Golly, you guys played on September 8th and didn't play again until September 29th, three weeks in between games. So, so that is, that's, that's pretty common to when you have a bye week to you're going to, you're going to practice and they're going to throw some different teams in there. There's, you're usually not going to, like we had Kansas state after the bye week you typically wouldn't just practice for Kansas State during that bye week. You would do some Kansas State stuff. You would sprinkle in uh, some Texas stuff into into some of your drills, into some of your um, you know, like your team periods and things. They just sprinkle some in. But it doesn't shock me that as a staff, they were um, kind of out in front and already working on some Texas stuff. That's, okay. that's pretty typical. Well, like looking at this now, this is fascinating. You guys didn't play a game for three weeks, and obviously there were some you know pretty big things going on in the country at that time. But if you think about how your team was currently constructed in 2001, it was, all right, man, like we really need to make some strides offensively before we get to that two-game stretch of Kansas State, who we played twice last year, once in the Big 12 championship game. 
and a Texas team who we just beat 63-14 that you know is going to want to reverse that. So you already had, like, we've got to get the offense going before those, you know, two games. And you didn't play for three weeks, 21 days, and you hop right into those two games. It's kind of amazing that you won both of those games. It's kind of – that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Did we – now, I know they canceled the games the week of September 11th, but was that like a national bye week the next week for everyone, or was that just our schedule? You're talking about the 22nd? So it would have been yes. Well, I, I, let me tell you, because the the team that I remember that did a, the, probably the biggest thing on September or the after that was Texas A&M, right? Yeah. And okay. Texas A&M had that game with OSU. So all we have to do here, Teddy – is we have to look up A&M's 2001 schedule, and we could probably get to that answer. And as I scroll down, let's see, they September 22nd, they played Oklahoma State, so just uh, that September 15th weekend. And look at that. Really quickly, you're able to um, pull that up and prove that you're a massive dork by yes. knowing that yes. in the same Dual threats. moment. <laughs> Dual threat, yeah. That's what I, that's what I like to say. Uh, 405, I remember the whole stadium being really nervous uh, when planes flew over before the game. I imagine. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just – it was everywhere. Peyton so. says, I hate having to listen on the iHeartRadio line. They put their own commercials over you guys and then are late at a break every once in a while. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, just listen on our app. Today really is another KREF ex- in the App Store. Today is another example of how amazing the KREF app is. Having to listen via iHeartRadio is just not the same. Oh, I see. So, because yeah. baseball is on gotcha. our app right now. Yeah. I see. But still, search KREF in the App Store. Just go yeah. ahead and do it. There we go. Well, hopefully, we get to hear from Coach Stoops today. I was going to tell him that um, if you've bought tickets to a Renegades game this year, you've gotten your money's worth. The yeah. first game of the year, they had to have a two point stop late in the game to win. And then on Sunday, they had to have a late touchdown. And the two-point conversion to take a lead, or I guess it, that just the, the one-point extra point, and they had to hold off a late drive. So they've been drama, fun games, the, the two home games they've had. Throwback defensive games there for Coach Stoops, which, um, which is cool. That's, it's good to see. It's good stuff. I think, man, for the most part, I don't know that you could have uh, many complaints. feel like the XFL season's gone pretty good for the league. 918, how about uh, some Sooner men – at the Big 12 tournament. Will they choke or outright smoke the pokes? Sooners 81, pokes 76. OSU today is the last team in the tur- – the first team out of the tournament, I should say, oh, according no. to Joe Lenardi. So this might be the game tomorrow night that decides whether Oklahoma State makes it or not to the NCAA tournament. And as much of a struggle as this year has been for OU – That'd be a nice little feather in your cap if you keep the pokes out of the tournament by beating them tomorrow. Small request. I need the Oklahoma State University president to issue some guidelines for what type of celebration is going to be allowed on the floor if uh, OU happens to beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament. I think you're going to get a lot of play if you tweet that out immediately after if <laughs> OU wins. Like, um, please, Porter, just run right into the locker room and celebrate. Don't do it on the floor. Don't do it on the floor. Well, uh, that's it's going to be an interesting game. Hey, you know what? If, uh, if perhaps you don't have as much on the line or anything on the line – then it's always good to 
to ruin something for someone else, I guess. That's the next best thing you can hope for. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Misery Brutal. loves company, I, I think is the old it, saying, right? That is exactly right. Uh, if Arch starts early, then Bama will rip him up. Boy, that, yeah. I guess Bama did rip up Quinn Ewers last year in that game. He actually played good, pretty good until he got all banged up, That's right? I'm saying. They ripped yeah. him up, yeah. Oh, Arch, because he's a – Arch is a, a pretty lean, string bean type of uh, quarterback right now. That's that's uh that's a true uh welcome to the to the league type of situation to be cuz he played small town Louisiana football, right? It's like 2A I think in Louisiana. Yeah. And they've got some good athletes there even in 2A, but it's going to be a massive step up to Division 1 football, obviously. Yeah, he all of a sudden be out there playing with them gargantuans. That'd be a, <laughs> Is that what Bobby Boucher's yeah. mom says? Yeah. Nice. That's what I thought. I, don't want you I thought that was her. Playing football out there with them yeah. gargantuans. Another native uh, Louisiana. <laughs> How do they say it down there? What are they called? Louisianian? Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably what it is. No, yeah, it's it's going to be a fascinating quarterback battle. But like you said, Everyone knows there's probably a legitimate quarterback battle on their hands. Might as well just get out in front of it and just go ahead and say it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just so everyone knows exactly where we're sitting in the building. So, yeah. It's just going to be uh, seeing Peyton over there and his burn orange. I don't know what the uh, how the majority of OU fans feel about Peyton. I'm sure most people like him, think he's funny. Unless you're a hard, you know, hardcore NFL fan, you don't have a big reason to hate Peyton Manning or even Eli. But seeing those two guys stand on the sideline, um, it's going to hurt their popularity in this state, I would imagine. <laughs> Unless uh, Eli Manning does the Manning face every time Arch throws an interception, that oh, that might be kind of cool. Are they going to start doing a Manning cast of every Texas game if he's starting quarterback? Dude, I mean, because ESPN has the SEC rights. Now you know, SEC so it's Manning not. Cast. I, it's not the craziest because they already do the Pat McAfee feed for some college football games, right? Which I've never really watched before. I wouldn't be shocked at all by the time Arch is out of there that there's a Manning cast for one of his Texas games. If SEC Network just had a, an entire channel dedicated on Saturday to Peyton and Eli watching football. As crazy as it sounds, it would probably do huge numbers. Yeah. We would make fun of it and complain about it, but we're the same fan base that got the uh, Trey Young watch ticker yeah. uh, for like three months in college basketball one year. We will make fun of and complain about something anyways. It might as well be a Manning cast. Yeah, sure. And just if it's not that. Looks like the Longhorn Network is still around to me. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Okay, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting the text line 651-3439. We'll be back. Bringing you the physical, relentless, suffocating coverage of the Sooners you deserve. This is The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Wire in a school last. We're inside the Buffalo Wild Wings studio on this Tuesday. It is The Rush on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Oki Drink Slinger says, how great would it be if they did a Manning cast and Arch sucks? <laughs> They'd have to start talking about something else real quick. Well, I I don't think that that's going to happen, but I guess you never know. 918, who will see the field first, Jackson or Arch? Train in the 918s. I would guess Arch. Well, 
I mean, that injury will probably, if that were to happen this year, that could determine it. But I, I would guess Arch sees the field first it's, as a starter. See, yeah, sees the field as a starter. I think they'll both get quite a bit of action early on um, if they get in blowout situations or, or something like that. I think be trying to get both of those guys some seat time, if at all possible, as uh, as quickly as possible. So, What makes you think Peyton is going to be standing on the sidelines, says a texture in the 405. Who says he has time for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, if he doesn't have time for his own nephew, he sure has time to make it to Tennessee games. He shows up to a decent number of uh, Tennessee ball games now. If he doesn't make it to a Texas game, then some people, someone uh, will make something of that, I'm sure. He ain't going to Texas. Uh, he's got dance recitals and his own kids' games to go to on the weekends, plus the Manning cast. Is that, that's Monday night, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah he's, texture's correct. He doesn't have time to be standing on the sidelines. <laughs> um, by the way, speaking of uh, doesn't have time, I guess the hot rumor at the NFL Combine was that, hey, he ain't done yet. I know he retired again, but yeah. Tom Brady coming back, and he's going to go play for the Dolphins. Tom Brady uh, commented on that and said, anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. <laughs> this is a classic <laughs> response. Nice. That's funny. Well, uh, he's going to be a mid-season comeback guy. Oh, yeah. Right? Let's see who's in playoff contention, and then exactly. I'll make our uh, make our move there. Uh, he's he's got a like, the real trouble's going to hit whenever because last year he didn't even go to training camp. Right, he was off doing something else, and then uh, like halfway through the season, whenever that competitive fire kicks in, he's just sitting around on the weekends doing nothing. Or I guess he's going to be in the broadcast booth. How how funny would it be to call a game? For the Dolphins on one weekend and then play for them the next. Well, I think the first I think the ideal thing to do is let Dak Prescott finish second in the NFC East again and get in the playoffs, and then you sign Tom Brady and actually let him play in the playoffs. That should be yeah. the Cowboys' plan moving forward. Yeah, let Prescott take all of the regular season snaps yes. and the punishment. Get you in the wild card round, and then just let Tom Brady finish it out. Maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's why they're about to sign Prescott to a big old contract extension. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I I hate it. <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you, what do you mean? Guess it's one of those things where you you hate it, but what else are you going to do? Right? You got. I mean, unfortunately. If you've got a capable guy, it's just like Daniel Jones and the Giants right now. They're about to pay him $160 million over four years, it looks like. And what has he done to to qualify for $40 million a year? Played Man. well in one playoff game this year. That's, that's what he it's, did. It's tough, but unfortunately that's the going rate, and you either pay it or you're left scrambling and hoping in the draft. Tell me what you think about some of these Nick Saban comments to uh, at SI yeah. now. He supports players earning NIL, but he suggests collectives are creating a pay-for-play environment. Quote, guys are going to school where they can make the most money, not when they can uh, help or not where they can help themselves the most. So this is kind of goes back to the beef that he had with A&M last year. Sounds like yeah. he still has it. It's you know, kids aren't going to the right place for them. They're going where they can make the most money now, and there's an issue with that. Well, I, I think he's probably 
saying what like I I agree with NIL, but and, and first of all, before the the text line starts flooding in, I I want Oklahoma to develop their collectives. I want them to lead with their collectives. As long as that's the game that's being played, I understand that we have to play it. But, in my opinion, NIL is a separate thing from what these collectives are doing. These collectives, it's not a name, image, and likeness situation. This is a straight, how much can we pay these guys to come play here? That's what it is, in my opinion. 100%. So, that's like... I think that if you are a big-time college football player, you've created value for yourself, enough so that people want your autograph, want to pay you to come do signings, uh, want you to endorse a brand, want you to shoot a commercial for their local business and pay you for it. For all of that stuff, when it's created organically, I am 100% behind it. But to, to put together massive funds of money to coax recruits and transfer guys to me that's not what the the intent of this whole situation was now should people have been forth forward thinking enough to know that this is how it was going to go if you they didn't have their ducks in a row yes but unfortunately it's it's what we've got so I happen to agree with uh, Nick Saban on this issue. He had uh, thoughts on the new rule changes in the sport yeah. as well and he likes the three that were passed. He likes the uh, the clock runs sure. after a first down outside two minutes. He's like, I'm I'm an old NFL guy, so I like that. He hated the idea of the clock running after an incomplete pass, which sure. I think everyone did. But he also I don't had, think it, it, that didn't even make it. No, like, once it they tested that in the public, it was shot down immediately. He also has a suggestion though for a future rule. It, th- this is interesting. Allow the defense to sub after an offense gets a first down. And here's what he says about that. When a team can snap the ball within seven seconds of the play clock, is that really good for player safety? He wants the defense to be able to sub because you know how it is. You get first, get a first down, and they're going NASCAR package, I think what most people call it. Yeah. He's saying if we're, if we're worried about player safety, well, there's something with player safety that we can talk about. Well, I've suggested something similar. I believe that the NFL should have to huddle. Um. No, I'm not suggesting that they have to call plays in the huddle and stay in the huddle for an extended period. But I think after a play, as long as it's not during the two-minute situation, I think everyone should have to come in, uh, circle up in the middle, and then disperse like a like you've kind of traditionally seen it. If you want to, if if they are serious, which they're not, but if they're if they're serious about player safety. That's how you actually slow the pace down instead of going so incredibly fast that the defensive line, guys that weigh 300-plus pounds, can't even you know, get back to the line of scrimmage and put their hand down in order to fire off the football because everyone's like, what about the offensive line? Well, the offensive line doesn't have to chase a guy you know, 40 yards downfield. Right? They don't have to run sideline to sideline every single play. They're going to block you right there kind of stay in the middle area between the hashes and then you know they're going to gather right there for the next play and it's just it's as fast as the officials can set the ball down which is another thing that I've said is I don't know the officials should not be 
like straining as hard as they can to spot the ball instantly to snap it and go, sure. right? It should just be a normal process of, you know, you get the ball from the sideline, you toss it in, you find the right mark, you set it down. It doesn't have to be breakneck speed within the normal uh, timing of the of the game. You know, one thing that I've noticed is every time we have a big proposal or a big rule change or a big change to the sport, it's always Nick Saban, seemingly, that is giving his opinion on it. And maybe it's just because everyone's wanting Nick Saban's opinion Seeks on it. it out, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably a big part of it. But it just seems like everything we're hearing from Nick Saban on it I think that he still probably wants to coach for several more years. I also wonder, though, if he has an interest in being the czar of college football one day because he seemingly has a take on everything going on in the sport. And i got to tell you, just about every take that he has on the sport, I say, I like that. I think that that might be a really good idea with how to move things forward. Yeah, what you should do is have people vote, like the coaches – the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator on a team each have a vote. And like whenever Saban makes a little proposal, everyone votes on it. It'll end up being 50-50. Defensive coaches will vote, yeah, I think that's yeah. a good idea. Yep. Offensive coaches will say, no. If no, Nick that's not Saban a good is idea. ever the czar in college football, points will uh, drop uh, dramatically across the sport. If it's someone else, then, well, maybe not so much. Well, here's what I'll say, and this is not a take that a lot of people. Uh, perhaps will like, but the numbers that you see in the NFL and college football are artificially inflated anyways. Like he's not he's not asking for anything that just overwhelmingly favors the defense. It's just a couple of little things that at least try and tick things back in the favor of the defense a little bit from where it's gone because over the last twenty years Every rule change almost across the board has benefited the offense. So, I can't think of one that's really benefited the defense all that much other than the uh, blocker downfield, right? Didn't they change that yeah, one? Yeah, some of those like cut blocks and um you know, some some of the like the different different ways that you can block a guy whether you're, you know, coming back towards the core or or some of that stuff, but all that, get, I feel like, gets lost in the wash anyway. So, All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Sooner fans, for a limited time, order a booking. Davis Construction bringing you this hour of The Rush. Mold testing, mold removal, and a whole lot more. 405-573-3048. That's for their Norman OKC office. But they also serve the Tulsa and Stillwater area. 918-282-7612. That's 918-282-7612. Cavens Construction. If you got an issue at your home or your office building, give Cavens a call. Also check them out at cavensconstruction.com. Someone on the text line says, no spring game for OSU due to the stadium construction. It feels like, like here recently, they haven't had a spring game, like an actual spring game. They might have a spring practice that's opened up to fans, but doesn't feel like they've done a whole lot of uh, spring games here recently. Uh, yeah. Um, it feels like the last couple of years they've just allowed people to come in and had a regular practice, right? And that yeah. what it's been. Um, 
I guess maybe they're not going to do that since you know they've got the construction going on, but they'll probably still have some type of special scrimmage day or something. And I don't know what their practice facility setup is like if they can host any any no. people to show up at all. So no, it didn't look like it. Um, Some might say we'd only need one side of the stadium anyway ooh. to uh, host everyone for a spring game, but that's not me. That's not. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Well, I. I don't think that uh, they're going to miss it all that much, as you've kind of pointed out. It's not really been a, a big tradition or much of one for them recently. So Gundy's probably happy about it. Doesn't have to answer any more questions. Oh well, we'll throw out uh, the kid with the collapsed lung and see how he plays. <laughs> Which, if you don't know who the kid with the collapsed lung is, that was Teddy's uh, sympathy to uh, uh, former Tech quarterback Alan Bowman after he had a collapsed lung. That's what he started calling oh, him that's, after that. That's kind of how everyone remembered him. Was He was, oh yeah, the kid with the collapsed lung from Tech. Well, he's he's going to go from that to five or something. I don't know what number <laughs> he's wearing, but he won't be referenced as a name. It'll be a number. So, good stuff. Uh, I found it earlier, OU's odds to win the uh, Big 12 tournament coming up this week. Oh. They don't have the worst odds, Teddy. Would you like to guess who has the worst odds uh, to win the Big 12 tournament? E- Tech. Texas Tech, the team without a uh, full-time head coach right now. That yeah. could be an, uh, an issue. Yeah. Chance to win the Big 12 tournament, 1.7%, according to Ken Palm. OU's chances to uh, to win the whole thing in Kansas City. You weren't far off. Yesterday. I was. Didn't I say one to two percent? I think you said one and a half to two percent. So yeah, that's <laughs> dead on balls accurate, pretty much. <laughs> dead on balls. Chance accurate. to reach semifinals thirteen point six percent chance. Chance to reach the finals five point two. Chance to win it all one point seven. I see. We've played our way to the semis. Well, I uh, <sighs> is that a dodgeball reference? No, it's hmm. a uh, Big Lebowski. Reference. Oh, Sorry. Um, I don't know. I think that I actually – who will have to play Kansas if they – Texas. Like, Texas. Oh, Texas. Yeah. It's Texas and Oklahoma State are like two of the worst matchups well, I, for I don't know. Like <laughs> when you, not a good one. It's but. almost like when you asked that, you expected to hear like maybe like, oh, okay, that could be – there's not a matchup that it could have been where you said, oh, okay, yeah – I could see their chances well, against them. Baylor is better. I the the length and athleticism. Like I would almost say, gosh, I uh, know I'm not going to say something stupid, but might as no. well. Nah, I I've got. Oh, <laughs> Were you going to say Kansas is the best possible matchup? Well, I was going to say maybe between Kansas and Texas, like Kansas is better, but that's stupid. Mm-hmm. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two's next. Let's drive.